a fresh point of view. I'm your host, Richard Anthony Wallace, once again in the lab, actually still in London doing this episode, and I wanted to talk about an upcoming event that will be transpiring our airways from night in and night out. I'm talking about March Madness. Yes, it is that time again when we see collegiate athletes in basketball compete at an optimal level for the national championship presented by the NCAA. If you aren't familiar on how this basketball tournament is, what transpires right now is what's called conference championships. Conference championships, I believe there's... 32 conferences within the NCAA. They do their own specific tournament for each team that is in the tournament. The winners of those tournaments are going to receive an automatic bid to the national championship tournament. For example, I'm an alumni of two institutions. The first institution is the University of Illinois in Chicago. They will play in what is called the Horizon League Championship because they are part of the Horizon League. They must win their tournament in the Horizon League in order to receive what is called an automatic bid to the final tournament. My other alma mater for my graduate program is called the University of Kansas, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. They are in the Big 12 Conference. If they win their tournament, they will be in the National Championship Tournament. However, if Kansas were to lose, they are highly likely to receive what is called an at-large bid. Since there's only 32 conferences... There needs to be other teams that have what we call at-large or wild-card bid. Because not everyone can be a tournament champion. So, for example, let's say if Kansas loses in the, in the Big 12 tournament, they would receive an at-large bid. Because of the strength of schedule of the competitors that they have played throughout the year. And... It is University of Kansas, so they are the number one team in the nation, according to the Associated Press. And I'm riding with my alma mater this year. So <laughs> that's 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 the at-large bid. So that is the NCAA tournament in a nutshell. And how it's divided up is into different regions. And those regions are what we consider are in specific brackets. So it goes like this. There is a a Midwest region, a South region, a West region, and I believe East, Northeast region. And those four regions will compete against each other with the 64 teams that come through those regions, there are 16 teams in each region. And they go from 
round of 32, round of 64, round of 32. The Sweet 16, which is 16 remaining teams. Elite 8, which is 8 remaining teams. And then we get down to the Final Four, which is the four teams left, each from their region. So the region regional champions of those regions, so Midwest, South, uh, Northeast, and West. They would compete against each other until we have two more that are left, which those two teams will fight for the national championship. And that is how college basketball works in a nutshell. So every year, we have an opportunity to fill out what we call are these brackets, where all these 64 teams are. Uh, And we fill them out according to... Strategy, there are many different analysts that look up stats on the probability of which team is going to advance to the next round. Or you can just do it by chance. Sheer dumb luck. It has happened before. Sometimes you have to watch out what we consider Cinderella teams. Now, Cinderella teams are teams that got in through their specific tournament championship and face one of the powerhouses which we would consider like the University of Kansas. I'm just going to use them as an example. And they were to upset them, aka beat them, which I don't feel like is going to happen, but but that that is a, a clear example of them upsetting. There hasn't been a perfect bracket And people have filled out brackets on numerous occasions, whether it be for notoriety within the office, whether it's for betting purposes, you name it. People fill out brackets. It's never perfect. The key to the bracket is to make sure that you have the most points at the end in order for you to win, because no one's really going to have a perfect bracket. If you do... Kudos to you. It is extremely rare. I think you have a better chance of being struck by lightning three times in a row than to win a perfect bracket. But hey, you never know. If you're interested in who are the picks for March Madness, I will give you my two cents and then I'll go into some of the things that I want to talk about in regards to what college basketball is and the challenges that it provides to student-athletes. So, the conference tournaments are going on. If you want to know which teams are looking at it, Right now, you want to look at the AP Top 25. AP Top 25 for for college basketball is a legit way to see which teams are considered the best according to the Associated Press. Not saying these are the end-all, be-all, but these are what has transpired. So if we look at the rankings of the AP coaches poll, number one in the nation right now is the University of Kansas. 
Number two is Gonzaga. I just want to let you know that there are the AP poll is for top 25. So it's the University of Kansas at one, Gonzaga, which is in Spokane, Washington, number two. The University of Dayton is number three. Baylor University, who is also a Big 12 tournament foe of the University of Kansas, is ranked fourth in the nation. San Diego State is ranked fifth. Kentucky is sixth. Florida is seventh. Seton Hall is eight. Maryland is nine. Louisville is 10. Creighton is 11. Duke is 12. Oregon is 13. Villanova is 14. BYU is 15. Michigan State is 16. Auburn is 17. Iowa is 18. Ohio State is 19. Penn State is 20. Houston's 21. Virginia's 22. Illinois is 23. Wisconsin is 24. And Michigan is 25. Wow, Big Ten had a really good year. There's a lot of parity within the Big Big Ten. And then you got the, a lot of these mid-major schools that you're just like, huh? Uh, Gonzaga is a powerhouse mid-major. What a mid-major is, it means they're not part of an, like an elite conference such as Big 12, ACC, SEC. Um, I don't know if you can call the Big East a power conference anymore, but that's for basketball. So, you got Gonzaga, which is in the WCC. Dayton, I don't even know which conference they're in. Um, I want to say they're in the A-10. Atlantic 10. San Diego State, which is part of the Mountain West Conference. These aren't conferences that are just like, whoa, oh my goodness. Uh, Seton Hall, it's part of the Big East, used to be a huge, big power conference, but, yeah, so it's not like, there's a lot going, going on, but yeah, that's how you would look at, at your teams, so going in, so some of the things that you want to watch for, uh, I'm looking at cbssports.com. 2020 March Madness, five storylines to watch as the conference tournament starts this week. They want to know if San Diego State, which is part of the Mountain West Conference, is legit, really legit. Uh, They're going to be trying to hunt for one of those at-large bids, but they want to make sure that they can solidify the Mountain West tournament. So, hopefully, San Diego State wins or else they might not get an at-large bid another thing is is liberty legit so liberty university is part of the atlantic sun tournament they they could be what is considered a sleeper or a cinderella story in the tournament if they win their conference tournament they're currently 27 and 4 and they have legit reasons that they could lock up that championship tournament for them to advance a team that is part of the horizon league is Wright state uh can Wright state do what Wright state can do because if Wright state wins 
their tournament, they are projected to play the University of Dayton, which is like their next door neighbor, like Wright State, Ohio, and Dayton, Ohio are, are right next to each other. And then another thing is, can the Missouri Valley Conference be a two-bid league? It, it's possible. The only way it's possible if Northern Iowa loses. Uh, and could be the Loyola Ramblers. If you remember the Ramblers, I'm a proud employee of there. So they might be able to squeeze their way into the tournament again. And then... Ohio Valley Conference, which has Murray State, where John Morant went, and Belmont. Could they be sleepers in the tournament as well? So those are some of the things that you can do. Brackets will go out probably next Sunday after the tournaments have concluded. Just make sure that you go with your gut. Usually gut feeling is the best feeling in the world. Uh... For my final four, if I were to look at it from here, in the Midwest region, which I feel like Kansas is going to be there, I'm going to have Kansas being representing the Midwest. From the East, it's called the East, not Northeast. From the East Division, looking at this right now, I feel that Duke will come out of the East. In the South region, I have the Baylor Bears coming out of the South. And then in the Western region, I feel like it's going to be Florida State. So my Final Four has Kansas, Duke, Baylor, and Florida State. And then for the Championship, I got a Big 12 championship, which is going to be anyway. It's going to be the University of Kansas versus Baylor University. And I got Rock Chalk Jayhawk, Kansas, finally winning this championship after 12 years of waiting. It's going to happen. Bill Self is going to win, and then he's going to peace out and take a coaching job in the NBA. And then we will get someone else to coach, like Danny Manning from Wake Forest, and it will all be good. So that is March Madness in a nutshell. Hope you enjoyed that aspect of March Madness. But with March Madness, there is a whole bunch of issues that I want to talk about. Mainly pertaining to sponsorship mainly towards college athletes not getting paid because national like the NCAA um, is considered an amateur status and student athletes that play for these colleges cannot be compensated in, in the work that they do. Some people would consider that the amateurism rule exploits a lot of these black athletes pertaining to slave labor because 
some of these top athletes get a scholarship, but scholarships aren't enough for the hard work of hours that they put in. So, for example, of a college athlete, I met a couple before, particularly within basketball. 5 a.m. wake-up calls, workouts, go from there. Tutoring, classes are at specific times that they have to go. Probably get lunch, more tutoring, uh, a film session, practice, then they might go to sleep. And that is repeated time and time again until it is in season, so basketball season when you have to travel on the road, late nights, going to different places, and student athletes aren't getting paid. But people would be like, oh, well, they got the scholarships, and then they have, like, the free lodging, and then they get to travel, blah, 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 all of that. But I feel like that feels like individuals should be able to get paid for their amateur status. I'm not sure if you're familiar with John Oliver. John Oliver has an excellent piece about the NCAA tournament uh it's about 20 minute video about how many different sponsorships are providing the ncaa billions of dollars in revenue and yet none of these kids get any of this revenue and some of the challenges that we do see is when kids do take and i'm going to call them kids because they're 17 years old 16 17 years old they're getting groomed and looked at at a very early age from their aau teams at eighth grade already getting scholarship offers as an eighth grader because they are going to make that institution a lot of money for example Last year, Zion Williamson went to university, well, Duke University. Everybody was buying a Zion shirt or Zion jersey. It had the number one on there, but couldn't put Williamson on the back because he would not profit from any of that money. He did not profit from any of the money that Duke University had endorsed as far as revenue from tickets. Jersey sales, shoe sales, apparently Zion's shoe, which blew up against Duke versus North Carolina, was going to be auctioned off for millions of dollars, and this kid would not be able to get any finances from that, which is, which is unsettling and upsetting, and I feel like students should be able to have the opportunity to get paid and get compensated for the work that they do. And especially if they're getting meals, speaking with an agent for meals, and getting suspended for taking a meal or taking $300, which is absurd. I look at the situation with James Wiseman. He was the number one recruit coming out of (coughs) Memphis, Tennessee. He played with Petty Hardaway, who was his coach, during his high school times. And he wanted to go play at the University of Memphis. But 
NCAA found that there was improper benefits that were being offered to James Wiseman, and he was suspended indefinitely. He was granted a hardship waiver to play one game, which was against the University of Illinois in Chicago, in which he and the team destroyed. But he got to play one, two collegiate games, and he has to sit out for the rest of the year so he can prepare for the National Basketball Association. And that's unfortunate. <clears throat> you know, we want these student-athletes, these young men, I mean, they're like 18, 17, 18, they're, they're kids, you know, trying to make an earning and a living, and they have to go through with the NCAA for a year just to be draft eligible. But I see the NBA being more progressive and allowing student athletes to go into what is called their developmental league, the G League, and be able to be compensated uh, coming up in the next couple of years once that collective bargaining agreement comes into fruition, which would eliminate the whole one-and-done is what we call it in the net in the NCAA. No more one-and-done coming up in the next couple of years, which is great. It's a great asset for the future, and we can start getting these young men their money and paid for what they are paid to do is play college basketball. Granted, some people might want to earn a college degree, and there's nothing wrong with an education, but if you have a pathway to become a millionaire and provide for your family, go for it. Because if you're a first-round draft pick, you're guaranteed two years of NBA eliteness, and then that that million dollars, especially if you're a first-round pick, that should put you over if you know how to invest it well. Other than that, on your own. But I'm an advocate for college athletes getting paid, whatever that it is, whatever they're compensated. They, they work hard. They train hard. And hopefully in the future we will be able to have student athletes be their own market and their own brands and be compensated for the work that they do. And I've always been a supporter of that. With that being said, it's going to be Rock Chuck Jayhawk winning and the national championship, and we won't have to worry about amateurism anytime soon. And I just want to know who you got winning the tournament. I got Kansas all the way, but if you got someone else, please let me know. If you haven't done so, please follow me on Facebook.com slash Perspective. Click that like button so you can be updated on future podcasts that are coming up. Again, my name is Richard Anthony Wallace. This is A Raw Perspective. Peace. Peace.